Welcome to the latest episode of the Grassroots Government Podcast. I'm Avery Davidson. Joining me are Louisiana Farm Bureau Legislative Specialist, that's a fancy way of saying lobbyist, Joe Mapes, and Louisiana Farm Bureau National Affairs Coordinator Andy Brown. Not with us, Carl Wiggers. So that means we're going to make fun of him the entire show. We do that when he's here, so... That's true. Even, even, it's not as fun when he isn't here to frown and... Yeah. Ask, ask some more questions, so... We but. can't... We can't laugh at his tears. Happy whenever. Friday, Carl, wherever you are. <laughs> he's out He's out shooting something for this week in Louisiana agriculture, so I, I appreciate all the hard work he does on that show as well. If you have not checked it out, if you listen to this podcast, uh, go and check out This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. We also do a podcast for that show called The Twilight After Show, where we get to uh, say all the dirty words there. That we don't get to say on air. That would be Twilight After Dark or something. Uh, <laughs> that was what we had originally called it too. Oh, That's gosh. the crazy part. No, actually, there's normally no profanity. Although one time, no, twice now, twice now we've had drinks while recording it. But one of those recordings suspiciously disappeared. Hmm. Joe, they're holding out on us. We yeah, gotta uh, sounds like it. Have a better experience than Friday mornings with uh, water. Yeah. Well, if we didn't do it at the Farm Bureau office. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. Like at the end of the session, what what's your favorite place to go and just hang out, Joe? Home uh, by the <laughs> by the pool, uh, by the woods, and not see anybody that has anything to do with politics. So, dang it! So we cannot do that at, at your Y'all place. Y'all are welcome then. to join us. It's a very festive setting. <laughs> well, I think after this week, uh, hearing from Joe earlier, between he and I both, with the, just the the dredge of of getting through politics joe probably needs some time by the pool uh, i could use some myself so it's uh it's it's not going to be doom and gloom all today i hope but uh just know that your staff members of the farm bureau are slugging it out for you each and every day because we're we're trying to get through it but yeah well we'll start off with uh the slug fest that is the louisiana legislative session joe we're at about the midway point now of this session uh how are things progressing? Well, they're progressing towards the end, which is less than midway. We're actually past midway, which I'm so excited about. Uh, this is when things really start to rock and roll. You've got pieces of legislation that are switching houses. They one that's a bill that started in the Senate's now in the House and vice versa. And that's when things get serious because that's when bills are in potential, have the potential of actually passing through the process. So the people that are opposed to them, start to come out and uh, even harder than they did in the beginning sometimes. So that's where we are. And uh, it's been a long session already, Avery. Yeah, it, it definitely feels longer than it probably has been. I'm sure that there's some COVID fatigue there uh, with it as well. But also some of the issues that uh, y'all have been talking about, we've talked about the solar issue before, but there's there's a, a, a resolution and a, a bill, Senate Bill 185 by Brett Allah that is uh, making its way through. It's now on its way to the House Committee, correct? Correct. It just recently passed off of the Senate floor, so for now it's done with the Senate. It goes on to the House Committee. It's a bill that sets up a multiple-stage process of permitting uh, to issue a permit to any in, uh, company that wants to do business in the solar industry in Louisiana. So that's where we are with that. It, it passed with a couple of amendments, I think, uh, they were uh, helpful amendments and had no opposition to it coming out the Senate. You likened that bill to something that's also concerning orphan wells. And tell me, 
tell me that analogy again that you told me off off the microphone. Right, right. The main we we've got a, uh, several concerns about you know how our landowners might end up in a situation with a solar plant or a solar compound on their property when they didn't know what's going to happen in the future and it wasn't provided for in the contracts. Okay, and one of those is parts and pieces left behind. What about if the whole so solar plant or compound is left behind? You can't just take a crescent wrench, unscrew these things, take them to the street and BFI is going to pick them up, right? You got to hire a structural engineer to, to develop a uh, deconstruction, uh, what's it called? A uh, decommissioning. Decommissioning plan. Exactly. Okay. And uh, so when we first started drilling for oil and gas in the early 1900s, we didn't have good regulations in place. So it's exactly where we are right now with the solar industry. And here we are 110 years later because of those poor regulations or lack thereof, dealing with leases and, 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 and orphan wells that exist that are now wards of the state. There's no way to clean them up. The state doesn't have that much money to clean up all these orphan wells. And I met a, young, a man whose young daughter this past February in 2021 died of being blown 250 feet into the air uh, by an orphan well. Yeah, nah, that's uh, that's a horrible situation. Andy? I think it's pointed up. We should note uh, we we live this every day, but just to kind of catch up any listener out there, Farm Bureau, we haven't had our normal policy process with convention and all those things. But our state board, that's why we have the structure that we do uh, to to be able to adjust on the fly and still be a member organization that represents the voice of of the farmer across louisiana so where we've come with solar has brought us some farm bureau policy that joe and sandy stand on at the capitol that uh you know sometimes you get a reputation if you're trying to slow something down that has uh revenue attached to it for the government that you're opposed to helping the economy or you're opposed to introduction of business in louisiana well our policy, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, is not saying that we're against solar or we're against green energy or we're just the old curmudgeons that uh, are, you know, anti this and anti that. The the policy that Farm Bureau is following for solar, at least as I understand it, and Joe, you're working it every day, so I don't want to speak for you, but it's it's really just about slowing down, looking at the issue a little closer because hundred percent. That's what it is. The state sees it in a very narrow. Uh, window of revenue. Meanwhile, you have landowners that can get into contracts that are very messy, very uh, legal and speak and very complicated. They get into that contract in this gold rush or green rush of solar energy that has lasting impacts on their land, on their farm. Uh, contracts don't just go away. And that's that's the role of government is to help protect citizens from that type of of kind of smoke and mirrors that get them into trouble. So it's not about stopping revenue. It's not about stopping business. It's just about slowing things down a little bit to protect the citizens of Louisiana that just so happen to be farmers in this instance as the landowner or the rentee or whatever it may be. So, you know, maybe there's places for solar. Maybe there's uh, times and places where these contracts can be sorted out. But we all know in business that you got to protect yourself. And sometimes it takes the state of Louisiana to protect you rather than just your own uh, your own pocketbook with with a bunch of lawyers on your side. Yeah, and you you brought up about revenue. There's there's been a lot of federal money tied to 
this sort of uh, building to increasing solar. I mean, in the past, that there were federal subsidies. Yeah, I got for a that. friend of mine that that did two of his barns total solar, and it was two hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand for each. He got one hundred eighty thousand dollars back from the federal government. Yeah, so there is definitely some money there, but there's also some money coming into the legislature from the federal government for some of the COVID relief. What five billion dollars yes, with a B? Yeah. So what is that doing to all of the tax issues that were coming up before the legislature yeah. uh, earlier? Because we, when we started off this, po- this podcast this year, we were like, oh, my gosh, there, there are going to be all these looks at exemptions and, and exclusions, right. especially those affecting agriculture. And I don't think you've talked about that in a, in a couple of weeks as far as anything progressing. Yes. And I think that the $5 billion with a B had the effect of a needle being poked into a hot air balloon, you know, on issues like tax reform. I'm not saying that there's still not some effort to move forward, uh, but it's sure the reason I haven't talked about it, Avery, is it just hasn't been much activity, uh, still isn't. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction that uh, it's not going to get the attention that many people thought that it should in this session by the time it's all over. It's, yeah. it, it, we're not going to have a comprehensive tax reform package. Yeah, I know my wife and I don't really take a close, close look at our budget until things start to get tight. When If you're washed with cash, you're not too worried about how the money's coming in or, well, still worried about how it's going out in some ways, but you know, you don't worry so much about how it's coming in. Yeah. That's right. Uh, chairman of appropriation, chair, the different chairman of the appropriations committee through the years, when, when they have money in the budget, they walk about five miles per hour. And the average human walks from, you know, two to three miles per hour. When there's no money in the budget, I noticed that the appropriations chair walks normal, just like the rest of us, you know, <laughs> doesn't have to get away from anybody. There's no money. There's nothing to fight over. So it's going to be interesting to walk, see who's walking faster as this $5 billion comes in. Well, talking about federal money, federal government's got a lot of possible programs to pay for uh, and looking at a, a very large infrastructure bill. Andy, you and I and Carl talked about taxes once before. Is that still the big issue up there in Washington, D.C., as far as uh, the, the so-called death taxes? Yeah, that's that's kind of a, a hill that Farm Bureau is willing to die on. And, and we've we heard, I think, the day that we recorded... Uh, the last pod about that uh, was right after our president had addressed the nation and it kind of in broad terms uh, certainly spoke about uh, increases to capital gains and removing stepped up basis but more so just in uh, you know when you're addressing the nation you don't get into those details but uh, it's great that the state uh, can kind of punt on their budget issues to another year, but somebody's got to pay for that. And that's coming from the federal government, but somebody's got to pay for the federal government to have that money to send. And so you see that that things sound good and sound sweet when you can get $5 billion to the state of Louisiana. But just remember that that's your money coming back to the state. Uh, We had our good friend Clay Higgins on here recently. He would call it the people's treasure. It's my favorite line. I use it all the time that he uses, but uh, he's right. That is your money. And uh, our issue with, with infrastructure bills and the trillions with a T, which is a whole lot of billions with a B, uh, is that there's scary ways that that's being proposed to be paid for. So 
you know, we've kind of went through those details previously. I won't dive back in them, but when you hear the president or the secretary of agriculture spoke last week at the White House about the same same overarching ideas of infrastructure and programs and all this great uh, milk and honey that's going to flow out of D.C. to all the people. Um, again, somebody's, somebody's, you know, the, the con to that pro, and we don't want it to be our farmers and ranchers, especially our farmers and ranchers who are just trying to pass down what they've worked so hard for to the next generation. That's, that's something that uh, they're trying to get us to negotiate on right now, and, and thankfully American Farm Bureau and, and all of our states are, are holding strong and not willing to really bend on that. So. And it's been some tough times for farmers and ranchers. I mean, we're still looking at disaster payments from 2019 that have not gone through yet. Yeah, so there was an announcement this week about uh, about a change to one of our disaster programs that I did want to address, uh, which is the ELAP program, which pays uh, and that helps. That's emergency livestock assistance program. Assistance program. Yeah, and it, it's kind of a catch-all program that is not. You know, it says livestock, but honey's included, farm-raised fish are included, uh, and some other kind of one-off uh, animal-based commodities. But the the thing to note there is really a, an interesting story. I'm in a lot of circles with guys like me and gals like me that work in commodities every day, but out of nowhere, the winter storm, one of the loudest uh, squeaky wheels after that storm was redfish farmers in Texas. I did not know you could, you know, that people were growing uh, redfish in controlled ponds or in controlled waterways, but apparently in, in Congressman Cloud out of Texas district, uh, there's a, a strong redfish presence. So, uh, they got hammered. I'm, I could imagine that a, a redfish doesn't handle sub-freezing temperatures for very long. And so um, that just goes to show you, you know, you get get involved. I know Texas Farm Bureau, you know, helped uh, with their issue. But anyway, that, that brought this all of a sudden quick fix to the ELAP program that USDA just rolls out, um, you know, with relatively quickly. But meanwhile, we have no answers on large dollar figures from 2019 that have been appropriated so i keep getting a lot of calls about farm programs and where they set and where they're going and just to be frank about it we don't really know uh, we're we're dealing with a whole new group uh with usda and dc and there's still a lot of holes to be filled as far as appointments go and so it's just kind of a wait and see uh, we're we're still making our voice heard and whether it be for crawfish or chickens or, um, you know, whatever else uh, that hasn't been helped. But it's a it's a slow process right now. And that 2019 issue is funding for WIP, correct? That's right. And, and it's already been appropriated. So that's why we're a little and half of it's been paid. So they know the pool of applicants. Uh, but it got more complicated because they attached a new program to it, the Quality Loss Adjustment Program. That's still getting sorted out. Farm Bureau is working on uh, our members' behalf on that. Brian Bro's done a lot of work with the Ag Center and and sugarcane folks uh, to see if sugarcane can uh, qualify for that. Uh, I've been dealing on uh, the rice side of things. So when you get new programs that are attached to old programs, 
it just complicates things and, and holds up money sometimes. But um, the the whip thing, people have been waiting a long time. That We've talked about disaster relief before and how poor of a process that is uh, with our federal government, and this is going to be one of our shining star stories to prove that come 2023 Farm Bill that, you know, and I heard from my friends in Alabama uh, last week that they just rolled out a block grant program for forestry from 2018, just wow. within the last few weeks. So uh, disasters need immediate help, and three years later is not immediate in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you got to think how many people have moved on from whatever they were doing if they were not able to make it. I mean, a disaster is an immediate need. One would think there would be immediate response. And we, I mean, there's precedent in other departments where that can happen a little better. Uh, I'm not saying that that FEMA's the shining star of federal departments and programs, but you know, it, this is one of those things where agriculture and our less than two percent of the population just gets pushed to the back burner sometimes, and that's why it takes folks like Joe and I to to light that fire and turn up the heat sometimes too, because if uh, if we don't get together on it and uh and i'll say just as kind of a an opinion it's 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 starting to hurt us i'm starting to see the the real effects of how long we've been without presence of our members in washington i'm sure joe certainly wishes he could fill up a committee room oh yeah it makes a huge difference and i'm noticing that lack thereof too andy it's it's really sad to see it, the, peop, the people are starting to come back around and wanting to participate and, you know, but still, I, I just wonder if we had a call to arms, for lack of a better term, you know, how that would work out on a, on a huge issue. Well, yeah, I'm wondering, and this is kind of for both of y'all, is the lack of constituents walking the halls of our legislative bodies, is that leading to some strengthening of positions within the the house chamber or the senate no doubt. chamber no doubt. and getting them into a position where they don't necessarily have to do everything right op- in because open areas. We, we 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 bring people and sit them in committees members so that and we tell them your job is to look your constituent senator or representative in the eye right now okay while they're discussing the issue and just sit there and be and, and it works you know, it, it's almost called dirty pool by legislators because, you know, it, it's it's local politics no, no. and you're bringing local politics to town. Dirty pool is when you have one of our members call their daddy and then their daddy call them and tell them you're going to vote that well, way. Well, now right? you're telling the Jim Harper story, but that's that's a good one. Well, that's I'll exactly. give you a, a real example of how this is affecting us right now. So you hear the, the story on taxes and, and death taxes, however you want to term them, but um, after... We raised a lot of hell about this lately. Uh, it was heard all the way in the White House. You could tell because in the president's address and then the next week he brings in the secretary of agriculture to do a, a press conference from the White House on these issues. Uh, they they try to just wave their hand and say, oh, well, we'll exempt uh, any farms uh, under $2 million in uh, value when it comes to these taxes. Well, um I don't know, you know, it's it's hard to to relate to people, but I know when I fill out my little simple taxes, the amount of confusion and lack of understanding 
I have, and sometimes I even feel like my CPA has. Imagine that when you have a multi-million dollar business and yeah. to have, you know, to just say, oh, well, we'll exempt farms. Well, it, it applying that takes an agency to interpret legislation and put it into code and then tax it. So when I say it's a hill we're willing to die on, that's what I'm talking about. And back to bringing people in to have them be told that to their face. If, if we could have a bunch of members at that press conference of the Secretary of Agriculture or have a meeting you know, on the side, we could ask those questions direct from somebody that that affects, right. you know, a, a husband and wife that has a kid that they want to leave their farm to that's over $2 million, and they would be able to sh- you know, tell their personal story of, well, yeah, my, my dirt is worth $5 million, but I've been read on my balance sheet for you know x number of years in a row and i need to farm that next year to pay back my loan the you know two million dollars they just try to wave that by like oh we're saving all of the you know yeah because it sounds like a big number it sound. i mean yeah you you say two million dollars to me and i'm like man that's going to be like a lifetime of working you know yeah that's you, that but it's like they're, you know, they they try to claim to be Robin Hood that they're they're taxing the rich and giving to the poor, and but that's not, you know, if you're spending trillions, somebody's got to be making millions out there or have the value of millions to, you know, it, it millions sounds like a lot of money and it is, but there's a lot of risk tied to those millions when it comes to farming, and until you continually bring people that have that personal message. Uh, a lot of times they try to walk over folks like Joe and I when they don't have to tell it for the pe- straight to the people that vote for them. So we need we need things to get back going, but uh, it's an important it's an important thing to not just do voter voice or to you know listen to the podcast. We're we're gonna have to start getting people back in front of these people because it's it's been scary how quick they forget that. Joe's not just Farm Bureau, that he represents uh, 136,000 of them, and that Andy Brown's not just Farm Bureau, same deal. Yeah, That's and- right. That's, uh, and, uh, and that gets so lost because, you know, I can see these conversations where personalities come into play. It's got nothing to do with it. If you don't like a person uh, it doesn't ma- that represents an organization, it doesn't matter. Somebody's got to represent that organization. So you can get them out of the way. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance you might not like everything about the next one coming. So the point is, we got to do our jobs regardless. And Andy's right. We're not speaking individual beliefs and philosophies. We're, we are the mouthpieces. We're the voice of agriculture, you know, of the membership that we represent. And that's where our, our grassroots members can really make a difference during the times when we're not in a session, when Congress is not meeting. You know, take the time. Go by your local representative's office go by your local senator's office your congressman and congressmen have offices in lots of places around the district take the time to go over there even if it's just to leave a card leave a note leave a phone number somebody's going to call you back uh you know and it's not it's it's worth what it's going to pay down the road because now they know this constituent this voter is watching what I do and wants to be a part of the process, wants to help educate me on this. Because I, I tell you now, the I, I got the two press releases yesterday from Garrett Graves and Clay Higgins about the uh, the purchase of shrimp by the USDA. Well, why why would they? 
be interested in it because folks told them, hey, we need this to go down. Yeah. And that's a message going back out to the constituents saying, hey, look, proof of performance, please. Right. When an association has a representative, a lobbyist representing them, it's kind of like the law enforcement tells you that burglars do. They said when they come to a house that has a sign security system installed and it has lights out on the front porch and the house next door has neither, it's dark and it has no sign, the burglar's going to choose the one with, you know, without the sign and, and, and the light. So the point is associations, industries, professions get picked on when there's nobody around to represent them. And, and we have a, a saying that's kind of cute, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but we say if you want something to happen to your issues, and you're bored. If you're bored around the Capitol and you want something to happen, just leave the building. As soon as you leave the building, they go, oh, look, MAPE's sitting here. We can jump on Farm Bureau's interest or agriculture's interest or whatnot. But if they know we're standing there, looking them in the eye, like we were talking about earlier in committee, mm-hmm. they're more apt to not mess with agriculture. You know, that's all. So what's happening right now, Joe? You're in here. I mean, the, the Capitol is what? few miles down the road. Come on, man. Well, thank goodness for the uh, miracle of electronic communication. Okay, so that's where a large part of my day has been spent since seven, my first 7 o'clock Zoom call this morning. Uh, but the Senate did go home Wednesday, and the House went home yesterday. Uh, you know, we're in a session right now where we've got just got slightly over 2,000 bills. I don't know exactly how many. But this is nothing compared to sessions. We, we used to, before this new legislature of 2008, when we had term limits uh, in 2008, we used to average 3,000 bills every year. And I've been in a, in a session where you had 6,600 bills. So we're really, we, but I will tell you that these, these issues these days are a lot more emotional than some of those were. They were more about business and you know industry back then, and you have more social issues that have trickled in and, you know, a lot more people know how government affects their lives, so there's a lot more people attached to the process. So with that comes a lot more emotion now, too. You know, it's it's always great learning and we about what's going on. And I always like talking about how important it is for you, our listener, to get involved in the process. So please, on behalf of Andy Brown and Carl Wiggers, who is out working hard in the fields, I'm going to ask Joe Mapes to take us out. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, please help keep us at the table because if we're not at the table, Andy, we're on the menu. There you go. I'm Jim Harper, president of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Agriculture is big business in our state. $11 billion a year for Louisiana's economy. When other businesses had to shut their doors, our essential Louisiana farmers and ranchers continue to provide each of us with the food and fiber we need to survive. That's why I'm a proud member of the Louisiana Farm Bureau family. Visit LAFarmBureau.org, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.